Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. Good morning. What a great, great, beautiful, cool morning to uh, be living in Gainesville, Florida. No place like it. It's great to see all of you this morning, all of uh, your beautiful faces. Welcome those of you that are watching online this morning. Those will be listening this week on podcast. Uh, Today we're going to jump right in, part three of this series uh, that we started called Kingdom Living. And today we're going to talk about uh, how to live a blessed life um, because we're kingdom people. How many kingdom people are in the house this morning? Amen. If you're saved, hopefully you acknowledge and understand that you are a kingdom person living not for yourself. Amen. Uh, You don't belong to you anymore. You've been bought with a price, and uh, Jesus paid a price. He paid a debt he did not owe, and uh, you owe a debt you could not pay. Amen? How many of you were messed up and needed Jesus real bad when Jesus came into your life? And uh, some of you are sitting there and go, oh, there he goes again. Let's start making us raise our hands. I want to make sure you're awake this morning. It's a good thing about cool air is it does... Uh, tend to stimulate you a little more. I got up this morning, looked at the weather and turned my alarm off and walked out the front door and went, whoo, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Took my short pants back into the house. <laughs> nice and cold. Well, it's great uh, for me to have the privilege once again to bring the word uh, this morning. As soon as service is over, for all of Suzanne's uh, uh, what do you call those people that, that uh, always hanging around the, the uh, rock and rollers? What are they called? Groupies. groupies. All Pastor Suzanne's groupies. You cannot mess with her today when service is over. She has to go out the back door where i uh, going straight to the airport and flying to uh, Little Rock this afternoon. So covet your prayers over us. I'll be in testing uh, Monday and Tuesday and meeting with my doctor on Wednesday and uh, believing for a good report. Amen. So uh, we'll be back home on Thursday and then I'll be leaving Saturday with the team and we'll talk more about the three groups that are heading on the mission field this week. It's a new week. We're back in the saddle, the Rock of Gainesville, and we are uh, sending some folks to three different countries uh, this week, Thursday, uh, Wednesday, Wednesday, uh, two groups are leaving and then Saturday, uh, the bigger group is heading out and we'll share that at the end of the service. So open up your Bibles this morning to wherever you'd like, but uh, John 3.16 is a very familiar passage of scripture and we're going to get there in just a moment. Let me pray. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for the promises that are yes and amen according to your word. Thank you, Lord, that uh, through your word, we find out who we are in Christ Jesus, that we have indeed been bought, paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. We are the redeemed of the Lord today. We are kingdom people. We have a purpose, a plan, a future, and a hope to live out that is way beyond, uh, Lord, what uh, we knew about before we came uh, to that beautiful revelation uh, that Jesus was our Savior and our Lord. I'm thankful today for salvation. I'm thankful for redemption. 
thankful for healing. I'm thankful for the promises of God that are in our lives uh, through the Word because of what Jesus accomplished. So today, as we open up the Word together, I pray that every one of us will have an ear to hear what's being said. And in hearing, Lord, that you will convict and challenge and encourage uh, whatever we need where we are on our journey today to do what you have called us to do. Lord, we're living in crazy times, different times, unique times. And I know that you are beginning to wake up the church in America. And we don't want to be left out. We don't want to think we're already awake when we're still napping. So, Father, help us every time the Word of God is open to us, that we open with an ear to hear and a heart to receive, eyes to see, Father, a hunger to say, God, in these days, use me for your glory. And I thank you for the privilege of being able to pastor and shepherd and love this people that you've given me the privilege for 34 plus years. They're a great people, and I bless them today because I know their heart really is to do the will of God. So I bless them in Jesus' name. You receive that blessing, say amen this morning. So I wanna talk about kingdom living and how it relates to a blessed life and a blessed life not in the mindset or the standard of American mentality, which is obviously we think about being blessed, we're thinking about getting a better job, a bigger house, a newer car, more vacations. Some of you, Lord have mercy, you don't need any more vacations than you're already taking. If you don't know how many you're taking, ask me, I can tell you, I can help you out. Some of you before the summer was over had already had about 10 or 12 this year. And uh, I'm I'm glad you can afford that, but just make sure that that what is most important in light of eternity is what is the passion of your heart, which is to do the will of God. I'm glad for everybody that can, I mean, we need to take vacations. Some of you don't take enough. Some of you take plenty. And if you're doing the will of God while you're on vacation, <laughs> then that's even the best. Amen? Because you know we're not, we're, we're really, and this not have nothing to do with my message, but we don't take a vacation from God. We don't take a vacation from the purpose of God. We don't take a, a vacation from the destiny that God has established for us. As a matter of fact, I believe that on vacation, you can be mightily used by God to touch people's lives. I mean, just have some divine appointments, contacts, you just used by God. You didn't plan it, you didn't know it, and, and all of a sudden the Lord gives you the privilege of touching someone's life with good news. So we're talking about kingdom living today, and I, I was just thinking about all the fruit of the, uh, of the life of a kingdom person and uh, how that, that life really, even in the midst of struggle, tor- torment, Uh, persecution, attacks of the enemy, our lives should scream out the blessed of God. I mean, when you look through the old covenant, all of those that paid uh, significant prices for their walk with the Lord in the midst of their persecution, the fruit of their life. I, I love the story of Daniel and the lion's den. 
Don't you just love that story? I mean, I mean the, the, the king, Darius, he did not want to throw Daniel in the lion's den, but he had made a word, he had made a decree, he had made an oath that could not be broken. And so he asked Daniel, Daniel, is it possible that your God can deliver you? But they take Daniel and they throw him in the lion's den, they cover it. And all through the night, it says that Darius, he, he was restless. He could not sleep. He was praying for his friend Daniel. And as soon as sun broke, sunrise, he goes running. He goes running, yelling, Daniel, Daniel, has your God delivered you? And Daniel yells out. See, I think Daniel spent all night in a worship service with baritone lions backing up his praise. I don't think he was asleep. I, I, I mean, I wouldn't have been asleep. I think the lions were praising God and however they praise God. And Daniel yells out, don't fret. How many of you would say that would be a blessed life? Yeah. Spent all night in a den with lions. And then, of course, the end of the story is all of those that had falsely, well, they hadn't really falsely, they just set Daniel up. Accused him. The king says, bring them to me, and he throws them, their wives, their children, servants, everybody. Lions are hungry. They've been worshiping God all night. <laughs> and they go to chomping. Daniel's life was blessed. You look through the new covenant in the book of Acts and realize that most of those people that gave their heart to Christ early on were horribly persecuted. Many, 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 many of them died. Horrible deaths singing the praises of God. In the midst of suffering, attacks, tribulation. In America, we only attribute blessing to good stuff. Amen. I was sitting with a man the other evening uh, talking about what's going on in our nation. And uh, we were talking about the persecution that's already here, not so much in Florida, again, you guys have to understand right now, we're living out the fruit of something. We're one of the few states that are living under a blessing. It seems like a blessing of protection. But if it weren't so, if we were in another state, not able to have church in a gathering like this, have to be outside in the cold, under a tent, because of the foolishness of our society, and the questions of, and I'm gonna present a question to you that two weeks from today I'm gonna to come back and I'm gonna talk about kingdom life a little bit different than what I'm gonna finish this series up with today. And we're gonna to talk about what's going on in our society and how it relates to the church and how the church has to wake up. Yes. And the church is not everybody else, the church is you. And the reality of what's going on in our day and, and, the, and the persecution, the tribulation that's coming because there's somebody behind all of this stuff. Yep. Right. Yep. 
You don't know who it is. It's not Joe Biden. And, and I, I, I'm serious, it's, it's not. There's somebody controlling a lot of things because it's happening all over. I told this person, never in mine and Suzanne's life have we ever lived to the point where we would be willing to say, Lord Jesus, come quickly. But we talked the other day and we're like, nothing left. There is nothing left that I need the Lord to do to keep from coming. He can come whenever he wants. And I'm, I, I'm, not only, I'm not only ready for it, I'm excited about it. Amen. I'm excited about the, 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 the process never before in my life. I mean, I've always lived my life believing generation after generation after generation. And that's how we're going to continue to live. We're going to continue to do business and ministry and life as though it's going gonna, it's gonna to be another thousand years. Because we don't know when the Lord's coming back for his church. And he is coming back. Hear me, he's coming back. But we're living in times where things are happening all over the entire world that's never happened before. All right, y'all gotta leave me alone. I gotta get to my message. I'm about to preach two weeks from now message and I, I don't even have one note for it. So, all right, I wanna tell, so come back in two weeks. Bring some friends with you. I mean, just bring some, we, we're gonna, I'm gonna leave it alone. We're going to talk. We're going to, we're going to pray. We're going to talk. We're going to prepare ourselves for what the Lord is doing. Because let me just say this one last thing. God is not caught off guard. God's not surprised by anything that's going on, but God is ready for his church to come alive. I mean, come alive. I mean, come alive. I believe that if things continue the way we are, we, we might be having church every night of the week. We might start gathering just to get our, our, our swords sharpened and, and our arrows prepared and, and, and our, and our uh, faith uh, uh, shield all polished up again because all day long I've been in a battle fighting the enemy and he's been coming at me, but I've been winning. But boy, do I need a little bit of strength and support. So tonight we gather from house to house or place to place. Come a time when we will realize how much we really need each other. And our children will we'll realize how much more our children need the kingdom of God than they need one more trip to Legoland. One more trip to Bush Gardens. I told this brother this week, I was talking to him, I said, we're living in a time when God wants to wake up the church, but honestly, we battle with our children. Our our good, I mean, we got great families in this house, but you realize you're taking your kids to all these places 10, 12 times a year, and then bringing them to the house of God and expecting them to be as excited in the house of God as they were at Legoland. And they can't even come to church without their iPads. Because they got, they, got, they got to be doing something all the time. And then you slap a mask on top of that. Hide them behind that. Breathing nasty, gooky junk all day long. Don't ask me my opinion about masks right now. Be, but, but, but there is, and if you need to wear one, wear one. But just change it out enough to make sure that the one you're wearing is clean. Because otherwise, you're just breathing gunk. 
Okay, okay, honey, I see you. She's looking at me. I can feel it. I'm feeling it, baby. All right, we are preaching John 3.16. And before I read that, listen to this. Kingdom living, salvation, redemption, healing, family, finances, power, purpose. Say purpose. Purpose, destiny, a sound mind. Faith over fear. Peace over anxiety. These are the fruit of being a kingdom person. In 2021, in the midst of COVID, faith over fear. Peace over anxiety. Finding out that if I am truly a kingdom person, The kingdom's going to affect every area of my life. And then if I'm truly a believer, then I'm going to be able to stand up and not just sing a song when Pastor Jamie leads us, declaring and singing, fear has no place in me, but being afraid to leave your house. We, 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 we sing about glory land and heaven and the kingdom of heaven and the joy one day of living in his presence, but we live our lives like we're afraid of death. We had a, one of our amazing officers of the law uh, share with one of our pastors. He's a strong believer head of a big department, protecting our people. Got the, got the uniform on, got, the, got the, uh, the vest on. Louis can tell you, every time I ever see an officer that I know, I give him a big hug and just pat their chest. You better not even think about not having a vest on. Not in this day and age. But he was sharing with one of our pastors the joy of being a kingdom man, even with his uniform on. Amen. And he doesn't live in fear. And, and he was asked recently by some of the young men that he was training, well, well, what do you do and how do you prepare yourself? And he said, well, I'm not afraid. He said, if the worst thing that can happen to me is I take a bullet to protect someone, I'm gonna be in the presence of Jesus. How am I gonna fret that? I'm not afraid to give my life. None of us are living on this earth forever, not in this body. Now, we're going to have a new earth, a new heaven, and we're going to have a new body. Because this body cannot live in the new heaven and the new earth. Because <laughs> it's raunchy. Some of you are raunchy. <laughs> That's why you spent an hour and a half in front of a mirror this morning, getting ready to come to church. You woke up and went, oh! He looked in the mirror and said, man, where'd all those dots come from? I believe some doctor a couple years ago, one of these guys that, you know, he was creating something that you just put a little drop on all your little age spots and and they go away. It's a lie. Man, I've been putting those things for like two years on this one spot and it it hadn't disappeared at all. It's still, as a matter of fact, it's growing. 
but I put it on a little bit every day and just declare those things that are not. But you know what? I'm 64, I'm not 46 anymore, and I'm not 26. It happens. But this is not what it's all about anyhow. If our life is not, if we're not willing to lay down our life, then how do we call ourselves kingdom people? We want Jesus to be Savior, but we haven't made him Lord. See, Lordship, whoo, whoo. Lordship is different than being a Savior. His, his blood that he shed on the cross saved me, and I can do nothing to earn it. I don't deserve it. Neither do you. But you receive it. And until you receive it, you're just lost. But once you receive that, then you have been redeemed from the past, from the present, and from the future of your foolishness. You're a child of God. But now you take it to the next level, which is lordship. And that's where we learn to surrender this whole kingdom preaching, tithes, offerings, seed offering, uh, giving our lives, being a servant, blessing others, touching other lives, not living our life for ourselves, but living our lives for others, being willing to lay down our life to serve someone else, to help someone else, to bless someone else. All of that has to do with lordship. Just going to church on Sunday morning for an hour and a half, once a week, don't require anything of me and don't ask me to pray. And don't ask me to get my hands out of my pocket and worship. I'm, I'm here, the saved of the Lord. And listen, I'm not telling you you can't get into heaven like this. But why would you want to when God has so much more for you? Man, when we surrender to lordship, we start walking out our lives. And I told you, those of you that have been around forever know all my stories. I have no new stories except what happened this week. <laughs> but all my old stories that impacted my life and changed me from who I was to who I am today, those happened years ago through a process. And I shared last week how when I repented, when Suzanne put that red painted finger down my chest and challenged me not to ever rob God again, and, and, I, and I repented, I fell on my face. I, she walked out the door mad, and I got before God and got right with God to the point where something changed. I didn't get up and just go, okay, all right. No, I got up and paid my tithe. See, some people think repentance is just running to the altar and crying. Cry all you want, all right? When God convicts you, if you need to cry, hear me, cry. But that's not walking out. Whatever it is the Lord has dealt with your heart that's affected your emotions that's made you cry. To grow up. Men, hear me. To lead your men, hear me. You're going to stand before God one day and give an account for how you cover your family. No excuses. Especially if you're a part of the Rock of Gainesville. You're not going to have any excuses. I'm sorry. You have been taught. You have been challenged. Get up and pray for your family. Oh, Pastor, you don't know how tired I am in the mornings. Oh, but let somebody invite you to a fishing trip. 
4 o'clock, 4.30, 5. But you drag your butt and your family into the house of God on Sundays 10 minutes late. And I'm being nice. I'm talking to you as a daddy. Because it's time to stop. It's time to stop. God's never late. If you want to be John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave. I'm going to just stop on John 3.16 right there because, man, that, we, we could spend hours right there. For God gave. And God, hear me, always gives right on time. Never late. Come on, never early. <laughs> man, don't you wish sometimes God just, he'd just speak it and give it? God called me to preach the gospel when I was eight years old. How, how many of you think that I was not ready when I was eight? Some of you didn't think I was ready when I was 30. <laughs> you stayed away with passion and purpose until the Lord made you come. I looked at some pictures the other day when Suzanne and I started the church. I wouldn't have come to my church. I would, have, I would have looked at that picture and I would have said, there, there ain't no way that kid, that little baby's got anything to say to me. I mean, I was 30 years old and looked like I was 17. I don't have that problem anymore. <laughs> but the Lord speaks to you and in his lordship, he will not leave you where you are. First of all, I want to commend all of you that were in this auditorium this morning at quarter till 10 praying. Wow. I stuck my head around the, the back of the stage and almost had a hallelujah two-step, almost did a flip because this auditorium was scattered with people praying. There's going to come a time, hear me, when some things are going to happen and I won't even have to ask you to come pray anymore. We're here every Sunday morning quarter till. Suzanne and Tom leading prayer, inviting the presence of Holy Spirit in this house. Hallelujah. At 10 o'clock in the morning, quarter till 10, can I just tell you, I don't get being late to the house of God. I don't get it. Not if it's lordship. Not if Jesus is the Lord of my life. I want to get in his presence. I want to have time to do what we're supposed to do, love on one another and fellowship with one another. Aren't you glad we're back to life and living and loving? And I held the door open this morning about five minutes after nine for one of our precious, sweet little ladies who I used to get a hug for every single Sunday for years and years and years. And I opened the door and just grabbed her in my arms and gave her a big old hug. And she said, Pastor, I needed that hug. I said, no, 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 I didn't hug you because you needed it. I hugged you because I needed it. <laughs> but all the joy of being able to do what the Lord said we're to do. We're to love one another. Yes. Not forsake the assembling of the brothers and sisters, the fellowship. We need each other. We're better together. Matter of fact, we can't do the purposes of God without each other. I'm reading a book right now. Uh, one of the young ladies that... Uh, a new young lady, 15-year-old girl named Kenza that's at the Rock School. Um, I'm reading the story of her mother's life. 
um, her mother and her friend from Baylor College, 20, 2001, right before 9-11, uh, as missionaries in Afghanistan. Uh, they were arrested and imprisoned and wore those jumpsuits and had the machetes to their neck and looked like they were going to die. And thousands of people around the world were praying. And President Bush sent in a SEAL team and brought those two girls out. And it, it, it's an amazing story, but I, I'm reading this book last night and I'm fighting just being mad. It's like, Lord, I can't read this on Saturday night, man. I'm a, I mean, just what we take for granted as believers. And how they were dependent every single day on their little prayer team. Our nation, for all of you that hoped that we were going to return to whatever your idea of normal was pre-COVID, that America no longer exists. That's not bad, sad news. God doesn't take us from glory back to something else. He takes us from glory to glory. So even though you might not like what is being considered the new normal, our question as believers is, as a kingdom person living a blessed life, Lord, what do you have for me? How do I live out the fruit of this salvation, redemption, healing, family, finances? Man, walking out practically the simplicity of loving our neighbor and then loving our enemies. Somebody presented a, an idea to me this, this just a couple of days ago that I'm, I haven't even spoken to Suzanne about or my team yet. I'm just pondering this crazy idea that this individual said, Pastor, what if we, the church, did this? And I was like, wow. And then my first thought was, if this was God, he would have given it to me. <laughs> oh. But he presented something that was a wow. Well, pastor, don't, don't you want to tell us about that? Because we're not ready. We're not ready. Not when I got to beg people to come to prayer or come to church on time. We're not ready. But we might be getting ready. We might be getting ready. Things are happening every day. And I don't, you can ask my wife, I don't read the news and stuff. I read a few highlights of particular um, internet articles that I pull up, but I don't read the local. I don't read CNN. I don't read Fox. I don't listen to them because I need to know what God's saying. Now, I have been listening to some crazy preachers. I mean, crazy in a good way. And and I am, I am excited that all over the world, God is stirring. All over America, there's a stirring taking place. There's a stirring among pastors. There's a stirring among the prophets. There's a stirring among the evangelists, among the teachers, among the apostles. Some of them don't know what to do yet, just like me. I don't know what that next step is yet. But as a, as a team, we're praying and seeking God. And as a church, we need to be praying and seeking God. God, what kingdom living looks like in 2021 that's going to be, you know, our, our new term around our team, it's, it, I think it's going to be this. And I, and, and I took it from the chosen 
series, episode, I don't remember, four or five, when Jesus called Matthew out of the collector's box. And the disciples ran up and Peter's like, Lord, don't you know who and what he is? How quickly we forget how wicked we were. Jesus, don't you know who he is? And he, and, and he looks at Peter and he says, Peter says, this is not the way we do it. And Jesus looks at Peter and he says, get used to different. Get used to different. And, and, and we're having to say, the matter, matter of fact, we were in a presbytery meeting a month or so ago, and, and uh, I was sharing some things, and, and it wasn't the norm. And, and finally, Pastor Tad just said, Pastor, you just need to say, we're not doing it the way we've always done it, so we can wrap our heads around it. So, I mean, he no quickly, no sooner got that out of his mouth, I repeated what he said. Guys, we're no longer doing it the way we've always done it. Amen. Amen? Come on. We're going to have to change up some things. We're going to have to stir up some things in us as men of God, as women of God, preparing our children and our youth for what we're living and walking in. John 3:16, for God so loved the world he gave. And you can't be a kingdom person without being a giver. Amen. I mean, it just, it doesn't go hand in hand. Many of you, like me, were takers. Your very nature was to take. And when Holy Spirit used my wife to speak a word into my life, it wasn't just about getting one area of my finances right. Even though all the other areas I do not believe would have ever lined up had I not got that first one right. That's right. Amen. The tithe was just foundational. The tithe is foundational for the Rock of Gainesville. And the reason that Suzanne and I are still faithfully serving as your lead shepherds and pastors over this house is because I lead a house of incredible faithful tithers. I made a promise to the Lord years ago, 34 or five years ago, I said, Lord, I will preach your gospel all the days of my life until and if I ever get to the point where I have to beg people one time to pay for what you called me to do. Because if you're God and you call me to do something, then in my mindset as a father, you're going to provide the means. Can you say amen to that? for whatever it is that you called me to do. And in 34 years, I've never had to beg one time. We don't preach sermonettes here. We just, matter of fact, at the end of the service today, I think it's Pastor Hector will give you an opportunity to give on your way out the door or pick up your phone and, and pay your tithe, however you do it. And I bless you, the people of the Rock of Gainesville, for being faithful in the area of your tithe and offering. I think you ought to give the Lord a hand for his goodness and mercy in our life because we wouldn't be doing what we're doing if it weren't for that reason. Faithful. I mean, it would never cross your mind to ever not pay your tithe. Some of that in these days we're entering in is going to become more prevalent and relevant than we've ever known even in the past. Because I believe the church, we the church, are going to have to help families in our church that the enemy is going to attack you with vigor to destroy your business, your ability to make money, 
And there'll be temporal seasons where you're going to need help. And the word says, Paul said to the church, he said, we start by taking care of our own first. Amen. Amen? I mean, there were times, those of you that have been around a long time know uh, all my stories, but there, there was a time uh, for six weeks in mine and Suzanne's life, the boys were uh, really young. Matter of fact, Luke wasn't even born. We had just moved back to Panama City, and on Sundays, we dressed like, we, we dressed back then, there was a book called Dress for Success. Yeah. And literally, I'm not lying, the, my, my first mini ministry position, which was hell on earth. It's amazing that I'm in the ministry today because of what Suzanne and I experienced in that first three months where a man courted me, invited me to come on staff, offered me a certain amount of money uh, to be the youth pastor and his associate. We uprooted from Christ for the Nations, moved to Grand Prairie by faith. I gave up a phenomenal job working at Side Motor Freight Company, throwing freight for $10.75 an hour. This is back in 1981. That was a lot of money, $10.75 an hour. And we, I worked through the night, this Louisiana-based company. And I loved my job, but I gave it up to follow what this man had promised. And six weeks came and went and no check. And on the seventh week, he called me to tell me that he would be reading my letter of resignation to the church that morning, uh, that he no longer could afford me. <laughs> I said, no longer could afford me. You hadn't paid me yet. It, it, it was a horrific experience. And the things that he told me were a lie. And we went through three or four months of just hell, loss, emptiness. I went back, begged my job back, got a job at Side Motor Freight, got another job working, making car wash materials. So I'd work there from seven in the morning till four o'clock. My boss there would let me check out at five till four because Side Motor Freight was just three miles down the road and I'd clock in there at five after four. And I'd work till two in the morning. And then I'd get on my motorcycle and drive back home. Suzanne's pregnant with, with Andrew. And I'm working ungodly amount of hours. We're not going to church. We're graduates of two Bible colleges, been to three. Love God all alone. And we'd go visit a church and feel like we know they're saved, we know we're saved, but man, we don't feel anything. No family here. And we did that for weeks, and one Sunday afternoon, we went over to Suzanne's twin sister, Suzette and Kirk's uh, apartment, and, and I was swimming in the pool with Nathan, and, and Suzette started talking to Suzanne and said, Suzanne, I, I'm worried about y'all. And Suzanne burst into tears, uncontrollable tears. She began to cry. Suzette came and got me and said, you got to come do something with your wife. She's out of control up here. She's sobbing, sobbing. I get her, get Nathan in the, in the car seat in the back, and we drive back to Grand Prairie to our house that we can't afford. And we sit down in the middle of the floor, and we're both crying. And she said, I just want to go home. 
Well, her home's New Orleans. My home's Winter Haven, Florida. But we both knew that that's not what we were talking about. We wanted to go to where God had spiritually joined us to, to F. Nolan Ball, pastor of the Rock, or at that time, Dorigo Park Assembly of God. And I'll never forget the transition of what we walked through. Horrible times, hungry, robbing Peter to pay Paul. So hold it, Pastor. I thought, no, see, it's like I said last week. Just because you repented of the sin of robbing God that you've been doing for 20 years of your life, don't expect next week that you're going to get a, 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 an abundance. Years we walked out, but God was faithful. Amen. Every time we got hungry, God provided supernaturally. I don't even know how. Don't even know how. I just know that every time we were hungry, somebody invited us for a meal. And almost everybody sent us home with a bag. Wasn't a doggy bag, it was a people bag. <laughs> but we got back to Panama City. That's a whole long story. I don't have time to tell. I don't even have time to tell the one I'm telling. But uh, we got back to Panama City, and the Sunday we got back, now we got Nathan, who's two years old, Andrew, who's seven weeks old, and we got out that first Sunday morning, and we dressed for success. We put on our best. I had my three-piece suit on. She had her best dress on. We dressed the boys up. We went back to church like our pockets were full, and we had an abundance, and we did not have 25 cents in any account. And every Sunday, we would go and we would say, only God. If God can't take care of us, then God's not God. Finally, a Pastor Ball offered me a job to be the janitor of the church. Four years Air Force, four and a half, five years of Bible college. I'm a graduate, and he gives me a broom and a mop and a vacuum cleaner. And I was happy to do it. $185 a week, and every Friday we could go to the food pantry and get two bags of groceries. Not three, two. Humbled, broken, trusting. Every Sunday, though, we'd get dressed. And as soon as Bob and Cheryl uprooted and moved out of town, God had brought them there to get us back there and make provision, make a way. And I had to call my mother-in-law and sell our couch one more time to her mom. Uh, Suzanne and the boys are already in Panama City. I got the U-Haul truck uh, loaded. I got the car on the back of it. I'm out of cash. Don't have a credit card. Can you buy my couch one more time? And for $100 or $150, she wired me. And I drove into Panama City with that big U-Haul on E, coasted in, but God took care of us. And for six solid weeks, dressed, nobody in the church knew how bad things were for us. I had just started working. I'm cleaning bathrooms and toilets and vacuuming up and down every single seat, learning how, I just thought I knew how to pray until all I did twice a week, every week, was spent hours with that vacuum cleaner up every chair. Because I knew I had to get it. I mean, there couldn't be a speck left. Pastor Ball would be coming through with his Air Force finger and he'd be inspecting, looking for dust and anything on the floor. 
But every week, for six weeks, we'd be in church worshiping God. And when we'd get home and I'd start taking my pen out of my pocket and cleaning out my pockets for six weeks, stick my hand in my right pocket and there'd be some paper in there. And that first week I pulled that paper out and it was a hundred dollar bill. Don't know where that hundred dollar bill came from. It wasn't there when I left for church. Second week, different jacket. I think I had two back then. Same thing. Never even crossed my mind. We're in worship. We're serving. We're helping. We're, we're just acting like we got the, the world in our hands. And we get home. Most of the time after being invited to some family, a lot of times this one family, Glenda and Jerry Couch, they would invite us over. Y'all have somewhere to go for lunch? No, we're, we're going to head home. We're good. No, no, you're not going home. You come to our house. And they would feed us, and Nathan would swim in their pool, and they would play with Andrew and flip him upside down, drop him on his head, all kinds of stuff. They just, <laughs> they played with, they loved Andrew. Everybody loved Andrew back then. He's a little, little smiley baby. And they'd send us home with a bag of food, enough to get us through Monday, Tuesday, sometimes Wednesday. But I'd go to undressing in their $100 bill. Two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, six weeks. I'm expecting. I'm kind of worshiping God with one eye open like this. <laughs> you know? I, mean, I wanted to see. Because I know the Lord wasn't printing $100 bills, you know, and having some angel drop it in my... I knew somebody. 39 years ago. No clue. But I believe God blessed them. <laughs> above and beyond, even what we were blessed. That sixth week, man, that was there. Seventh week, now I've done going to expecting. I didn't wait till we got home. I got in the car. <laughs> I, I'm feeling around and I'm feeling around. I'm feeling around. <laughs> there ain't nothing there. I asked Nathan, do you take anything out of my pocket? <laughs> He's two years old. <laughs> Sitting in the back seat in his, in his whatever booster seat. I asked Suzanne, do you take something out of my pocket? <laughs> and the Lord said, I am your source. Yes. Not them. Kingdom living changes and impacts our life. 2 Corinthians, let me just read this scripture. I'm way past time, so y'all just bear with me, okay? Because this is way better than Gator football. So um, we're going to win. We've already won, amen? 2 Corinthians, Paul says to the church at Corinth, he writes them a letter to encourage them concerning the blessing that comes through obedience and surrender of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's leading in our life, in learning to live a lifestyle as a giver. Now, he's speaking to the whole church at Corinth, and it's a letter that was written that is as relevant today as it was 2,000 years ago. And it's a powerful exhortation. He said, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, he said, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. 
And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Now I want you to understand, Paul's writing and and it's about kingdom living and it's specifically to the church at Corinth in this particular area about money. But I believe that it also goes into every other area of our life as believers, that we're called to be like God. We're called to be like God. Put your hand on your chest and say, I'm called to be like God. What is God? He's a, he's a, he's a giver, not a taker. So our life as a kingdom person, as a giver, it's way beyond just about money. Money is a vital part of it, but it's not all of it. It's about your time, giving your best to God. There are nations of the world where their whole life every day is just about how to advance the kingdom of God. They're gonna eat when they find bread to eat. They're gonna drink, but they're consumed with the gospel. America is a whole different planet in and of itself. I was talking to Pastor Dennis this last week by WhatsApp our church in Maypen, Jamaica, the Rock of Maypen, has not been able to meet for five months. Right now, they're not allowed to leave their house, but once a week, if you're caught outside of your house, you'd be arrested. For what reason? For what reason? What is going, I don't even have time to get into that. Two weeks, you come back. But our time. I said, Dennis, what are you doing? Because they don't have the ability, their people don't have the internet that we have. They can't Zoom church. So I said, Pastor Dennis, what are you doing? Sneaking out, going from house to house to love on his people, some who he has not seen for months. Just to love on them, encourage them, read a scripture with them, pray with them. We still have a lot right here, right now to be thankful, but hear me, we better get ready for the day that we're living in. So it's gonna be about our time. It's also about our gifts. What, what gift has God given you that he wants you to give 100% back to him? I can't answer that for any one of you. I have to deal with my own revelations of who I am and what I am and where I can be mostly used to touch lives. It's about your energy and your purpose. I love the prophetic word out of Jeremiah that everybody preaches, including me, that God has a future and a hope. Come on, for every one of us, a purpose, a destiny. But God will never force you to live out your destiny. God gives, but you have to receive. God calls, but you have to walk. Some of us give so much energy and time to try to have a comfortable life. 
when what God's calling us to do is to be consumed with having a life of effectiveness. I want my life to count. I want my life just to be about what I do. I want my life to be so effective that only in heaven will I even find out how it impacted other lives. Because it's not about me. It's not about you. It's more than money. It's about your abilities. What will you do with your time for the glory of God? Living the kingdom life blessed. No matter what the situation is that you're walking out, but having the peace and the confidence that I can be like my daddy, my Abba Father, my God. That no matter what it is we go through, we're gonna be kingdom people, amen? We're gonna be givers and not takers. We're gonna be those who are planting and watering and, 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 and seeing the harvest come. We're gonna be faithful. We're not gonna live in fear. And all of you with small children, hear me, you better fill yourself with the Word of God. Because if you don't, fear, fear will consume you. We're not called to be fearful. God laughs at COVID. We fear it. Hear me. Boy, you should see some of your facial expressions. Yeah, but I know somebody. We know a lot of somebodies. And in this world, we're going to go through stuff. And the Lord knows our beginning day from our ending day. And I just want to live my life so that when that day comes, I'm going to walk through it with grace and victory. Why? Because that's the promise of God's Word. We're leaving this world behind. So don't live and give your whole life to try to make something in this world that you can't take with you. There's only a few things that you can take with you. Kingdom. God's called us for such a time as this. Amen? We don't have to live fearful. We don't have to live anxious. We don't have to live messed up because we're consumed with what the world is saying is happening. No, what is God saying? What is God doing? All across the face of the earth, God is stirring up his people. And I'm saying, God, I don't even know what that looks like yet, but I wanna be a part of the church on fire, burning. And the lost world is going to come and look because we're burning but not being burned up. Amen? Amen? We're on fire, but we're not being consumed. We're going to be full of his glory. Would you bow your heads? If you're sitting in this room this morning and you do not have the peace of God in your life, you do not... You have not received Jesus as Lord of your life. You have not surrendered not only to Lordship, you never even received him as Savior of your life. Today, Holy Spirit brought you here. Maybe you're watching online. Maybe you're listening on a podcast. Wherever you are, God's touching you right now. He's reaching out 
to you right now. And he's saying to you, he loves you. Created you for such a time as this. He knows all your sins as well as you know them. And yet he loves you. And he gave his son to die on the cross for you, but you have to receive him. In this congregation, watching online, this morning, if you're ready to receive that gift of salvation, you no longer have to try to be God and make things happen that you have no ability to do. You no longer have to carry the the guilt and the shame of your sin. Today, you can be free in Christ Jesus. If there's one or a hundred, all that matters is that you, right where you are, say, I don't want to leave this building today until I make things right with God Almighty. With every head bowed and believers are praying for you because we've all done this. Would you allow me to pray and to lead you in a simple prayer to invite Jesus to be Lord of your life? If you would, would you just lift up your hand? Nobody's looking around, but I'm looking, Holy Spirit revealing and showing. If that's you this morning, you're ready. Would you just lift up your hand? Let me see it this morning. The biggest decision you ever make in your lifetime. Yes, God bless you. Yes, God bless you. Thank you, sir. Yes, God bless you. This is your day. This is your moment. God bless you, sir. I see it. Thank you. Jesus is ready to change your eternity by hearing your confession and forgiving your sins. What a great day. Jesus be Lord. Real quick before I lead our house in prayer, anyone else, if you're watching online, I can't see your hand, you respond. You let us know. We'll help you walk through the next step. All right, I want to ask every one of you with your heads bowed and eyes closed to join with me as we lead these precious folks that have lifted their hands. And I want to ask you to just pray this prayer in faith because your life is about to eternally be altered and changed for good. Pray this prayer out loud. Father God, in the name of your son Jesus, I confess today I'm a sinner in need of a savior. Jesus, thank you for going to the cross and dying for me. Thank you for forgiving me. Right now, I ask you, forgive me of all of my sins. All of my rejection of you in the past. Today, I surrender. And I receive you, Jesus, to be my Savior and to be my Lord. I invite the Holy Spirit to come into my life and to help me as I choose this day to walk as a kingdom person, surrendered wholly to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Father, thank you that you first love me. I receive it today. I give you all thanks, all praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand for these guys that responded this morning.
Amen, amen. Well, we have a couple things to do real quick before uh, I leave the stage and Pastor Hector comes up. It, real important stuff. We're going to pray. We have three teams heading out this week uh, to Honduras and Colombia and Peru. And uh, I'm going to bring them up in a minute. But uh, for those of you that were not able to be with us Wednesday night here, we had a phenomenal night of worship and giving. Come on. Amen. Amen. And uh, normally for the sake of those who weren't here and those who are trying to get their check-in and it's not too late, you can give uh, for a couple of more weeks and then we'll close it out and give you a final count. But uh, I just got so excited. I thought, you know, I'm not going to be here next Sunday. I'm going to be in Honduras. So uh, if y'all don't mind, would you mind if I went ahead and told y'all what your offering was from, from Sunday? So your offering Sunday, I mean, Wednesday night, our first count seed offering was amazing. Amazing. $204,666.36. Pastor Tad said, is it okay to have six, 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 if somebody wants to throw a dollar in real quick, we'll change that to, to $204,667. But uh, hey, we're going to take what uh, the devil meant for his good, and we're going to make it God's good anyhow. Amen. That is amazing. I bless you. Uh, wow, you, hear me, you people amaze me. Years ago, when Apostle Ball was sending Suzanne and I, and Nathan was our only child, had just been born to, to college. She had been teaching school, I was in the Air Force, we had two incomes, you know, we ate out when we wanted to, you know, we were not wealthy by any means, but but uh, we had enough to do a few things. And I'll never forget Apostle Ball uh, brought me in and he told me he was gonna send me $25 a month while I was in Bible college. And I bit my tongue to keep from laughing because I thought we spend that much out, you know, for dinner. And uh, it wasn't but a few weeks after we got to Bible college when I realized how important $25 is. And, and we would wait at the mailbox for that check and then we'd go to Kroger's with our calculator and we'd buy $24.95 worth of groceries. But before we left, uh, Pastor received an offering for us as well. And uh, I'll never forget that Sunday night that he did. Uh, afterwards, uh, I passed him and uh, I said, wow, Pastor, he told me what the offering was, like $600 or something. And, and I said, wow, Pastor, God sure is good. And I'll never forget, he made a statement, just came out of him just like that. And he said, and God's people aren't bad either. <laughs> because what he was saying was God is good, but it was the people that gave you that $600. And Wednesday night, as we were counting the offering, and I was looking at some of your children that's why, that's why every penny of what comes in goes up on that screen. 36 cents represents some young person, some child. You know, there were envelopes well marked with 10 cents. There were also envelopes marked with hundreds of dollars. There were envelopes marked with some of your children, $50 seed offering. And moms and dads said, oh yeah, ever since last seed offering, they've started taking a portion of everything they get in their birthdays and, and their little uh, 
uh, whatever parents, what's it called when parents pay their kids allowance and they put a portion of it getting ready for the next seed offering. Come on somebody, that's kingdom kids right there. That's living, understanding the plans and purposes of God. So those of you that prayed and gave accordingly, uh, thank you so much, I bless you. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org.